You're listening to Recap FM's coverage of the Amazon Prime original miniseries, Good Omens. I'm JD. And I'm Seal. Today we are talking about the first episode titled, In the Beginning. Did you watch it? So the show starts off in the Garden of Eden. Because if you're going to start at the beginning, you should pretty much start at the very beginning. With Adam and Eve being tempted. You remember this? I do. Okay. I remember it from Sunday school. You're just giving me this look like, what, what is he talking about? What is he talking about? Well, I was thinking about the, the bit where um, the narration, the voiceover. You can talk about that too. Do you no. want to talk about the narration? Yeah. Go ahead. That's very Douglas Adamsy. It is. And I that's love the narration see. throughout the episode. Yeah. And that's where we start is we, see, we get this, um, it, it feels very hitchhikers, but we get this, you know, nice little Yeah, I mean, narration I'm a fan of narration throughout. You know, yeah. it, it's not a thing that I want on every single show that I watch. Yeah. But for this type of show, it works really well. It's like you're telling a story. It feels more like a story instead of a TV show. Exactly. The narration kind of helps it move along. Yeah. So we get the narration, and then we get Adam and Eve in the garden being tempted. They eat the apple, and all of a sudden they realize they're naked, and that's the problem. And then they also realize they need to leave the garden so they leave the garden. And that's when we get introduced to our main characters, which there's some pretty, as far as main characters go, these are two of my faves that I've seen in a while. So we have Aziraphale, who is an angel. And we learn a lot from him, about him real quick because he gives up his flaming sword. <laughs> like your flaming sword that you have to protect the garden, to keep things from coming in and things coming out. He's like... Yeah, I just kind of gave it up. I feel like they were going to need it more than me. You know, so that's fine. I don't need it. I'm an angel. Here's my flaming sword. He's a real mensch. <laughs> I think that's a fair assumption, yeah, a fair he statement. He is. And then we also meet the demon, Crowley. And he's the one that did the tempting, turned into the serpent, um, got them to eat the apple. And he just kind of, their dialogue and their interaction with each other is really what drives the show. Yes. Really what makes it successful. It's that and, relationship. And you get an introduction to it right from the beginning. Like, okay, if this is how this is going to be, the good and the evil, the, di the dichotomy of good and evil, and the dichotomy of these two characters who represent each side, okay, I'm on board. Like, from the beginning, I was like, yes, I'm all about this. This is what I want to see from a television show called Good Omens. Yes. Yeah, well, you have two main characters that are diametrically opposed to one another yeah. at their core. But, so how is that not interesting? But they seem to have a very similar goal, which is what we're going to get into. So it skips pretty much to the present day. Not quite the present day, but pretty much our lifetime. Yeah. You know, well, 11 years ago. Yeah, 11 years ago. And both of them have been here on Earth since the very beginning. And they love everything about the Earth. Everything about being here. They've embraced the lifestyle. They've embraced everything about being a human being. They, they're like, I, I feel like I have to love it all because I want to represent humans. And if I want to understand them, I have to participate in what they're doing. So I'm going to do that. And Crowley gets his assignment first. So he goes, <laughs> I love the demons that are talking about him. Like the other one's like, man, that guy, he just doesn't do anything right. I don't know why anybody puts up with him. Clearly, he's been here too long. And they're doing their report. What did you do? Well, today I attempted a priest. And years from now, we will have him. 
And the other guy is, I forget what, the politician. Yeah. I, I corrupted a politician. Years from now, I'll have him. What about you, sir? I, uh, I cut off all Wi-Fi access for all the cell phones in this area. Can you imagine how mad everybody's going to be? Which is true. It is. I would be furious. I mean, he's like, yeah, imagine a million angry people going at each other. He's like, how does that not work in our favor? Right. But it doesn't, how does that recruit anyone to our side? What, what have you done? Oh, well, good for you. We have an assignment for you, though. Um, here's the Antichrist. <laughs> so, in a picnic basket. I mean, they're going right in. I mean, from the very beginning, like, okay, here's the Antichrist. Well, they kind of bury the lead for a few minutes. Yes, they sure you, do. Because they come walking in with a picnic basket, and they hand Crowley the picnic basket, and he reacts to it like he knows what it is. And then we see, it's a baby. It's a baby. And when he's driving this car, I love how they can talk to him through his radio. Like yes. he's listening to the radio and he gets communications from other demons. I think it's wonderful. So he goes to uh, deliver the Antichrist to the chattering order of St. Beryl. And these nuns, I mean, I think nun is a strong word. <laughs> like, worship yeah. Satan. And it's so weird to see because every time you see a nun, they're very religious, uh, but the other side. Right. So to think that there's an order of nuns, and they're like, they say, hail Satan. You're like, whoa, that's, that's, uh, that, that was okay. surprising. I did not expect that. And so the big plan is there's an American diplomat whose wife is having her baby the same night, and we're going to swap out the babies so that the Antichrist is raised by this American diplomat and his wife, and who knows what happens to the other baby. We assume that he, um, of course, is fine. They, they wouldn't do anything to a baby because they're nuns. But a little wrench is thrown in the plan, mm -hmm. and that another family, the Youngs, show up, and they are going to have their baby, albeit two weeks early, they're going to have their baby as well. So you know, okay, something's not going to work out right here, because there's one sister, Sister Mary Loquacious. Who is very talkative. Very talkative. Yeah, you see what I did there? Yeah, she's quite loquacious and verbose. But she's not really all there. And you can even see it when the, the, the mother of the nuns, or whatever they call their leader. The mother like, superior. He's like, okay, I, I didn't give you a job. Here's what I want you to do. Go get me some biscuits, because biscuits are needed. The ones with the pink icing. Okay, I'll go get the biscuits. And, of course, Crowley, or Crowley, however you say his name, shows up and gives her the baby. And, like, go to room three. You need to go to room three. This is where this baby goes because he had had a run in with the father, uh, Mr. Young. And he's like, yeah, we're in room three. It's, uh, it's already started. Who knows what's going to happen? I wasn't allowed in the room because reasons. Yes. So the wrong baby gets switched. And so the Youngs end up with the Antichrist while the diplomat gets uh, their normal baby. They get to right. Well, they don't get their baby. They're right. They get the young baby. They get the young baby. And so we never know what happens to the diplomat's baby. And then there's the naming scene, which is ridiculous. Like, uh, what should you name your baby? And like Lucian, I think, you know, or something or like something similar. And they end up with Warlock. Well, they get that. Well, they, uh, somebody throws out Damien. Damien. Yeah. Bit on the nose. <laughs> Bit. And, but Warlock. Like, yeah. Who would name their kid How Warlock? Is, and she and the mother just like lights up. She goes, oh, hello, baby Warlock. Warlock, that's a wonderful that's name. That's a wonderful No, that is not. That's a horrible name for a child. Right. And then the youngs, they name their baby Adam, which is much better. 
you know, normal name, kind of on the nose as well, but kind of not. Like the new Adam, it, it makes more sense. So Aziraphale, he gets a job as well. He's tasked by the uh, angel Gabriel, played by John Hamm, which was just wonderful. It was just delightful. Uh, all right, here's what I want you to do. You need to follow Crowley because he has an assignment, and we need to make sure that we know what he's up to uh, because there's a war coming, and we need to know the, the movements of the other side. Mm-hmm. Y'all both been here since the beginning, and it's really crazy that y'all have never interacted with each other, but that's fine. Your job now is to follow him. Yeah, and don't don't get caught. Don't get caught. Don't let him know that you're following him and then report back to us. Little do they know that they've been friends for a long time, and they've worked together for a long, long time. So they get together, and here's the plan. They're going to raise Warlock to not be good, to not be evil, just be kind of middle in the road, be like a normal person. And if he ends up being a normal person, he won't end up being evil like the Antichrist is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And then Armageddon won't start. And then they can stay on Earth forever because that's their goal. They don't want to leave the Earth and go back to their side. They don't want to be involved in a war between good and evil. They want to sit there and enjoy the pleasures of Earth that they've done for so very long. That's right. Because for them, Armageddon means everything's destroyed. And... Yeah, and they don't want that. They don't want that. They they like the status quo. Yeah, so they get positions and in Warlock's youth. Uh, Aziraphale is the gardener. Crowley is the nanny, (laughs) which is hilarious. It is hilarious, and they. I mean, David Tennant and drag is funny. Hilarious, and they have they have a very real influence on his life, and they're very opposed influences. I mean, Crowley is still telling him to do evil things. And Aziraphale is still telling him to do good things. And there's kind of a a little war going on between them, which is what they should be doing because they can't report back to their side. Like, okay, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm doing, really am. But it's kind of all in a bigger plan that we have that y'all aren't aware of. Well, and it's in their nature to act the way that they are. Sure. I mean, they can't... They can't be different than who they are. They can't be different than who they are. They were made to be who they are. And so... So 11th birthday comes around, and Warlock seems to be a pretty normal 11-year-old boy. Seems like the plan is going well. Yeah, just a little entitled jerk. Yeah, well, he works for a diplomat. His parents are, are rich, so. But he's a little, I'm for a normal 11-year-old for sure. So at his birthday party, Aziraphale is a, a magician. Not very good. No, he's Not very horrible, Very actually. horrible, and you'd think, and I love how Crowley's like, you can do real magic. That defeats the purpose I want it to be sleight of hand because that's more fun. Sleight of hand is awesome. Yeah. But at the birthday party, there's supposed to be a hellhound show up. And if Warlock names the hellhound, it will start the pro- the countdown to Armageddon seven days from when it happened. Seven days from his uh, 11th birthday. And we see the hellhound get released from, from hell. Yeah. And you're like, oh, no, this is problematic. Here it comes. Here it comes. And so they're waiting and they're waiting. And eventually Crowley even calls headquarters and is like, I'm looking for the hellhound. I don't see it. And when they do finally see it, uh, well, no, I'm sorry, they don't ever actually see it. They start to realize, oh, wrong boy. We got the wrong boy. And which we've known from the beginning. And then it cuts to the real antichrist adam young playing in the woods with his friends in this sweet ass tree fort with some cool other little kids wild imaginations and things like that and he basically wishes 
for his birthday, what he wants is a dog. And what is the dog? What would you name this dog? I think I would just call it dog because that would be easy. And while he's there, the the hellhound is close by, and so he's named the hellhound dog. And by naming the hellhound, he has started the countdown to Armageddon, and it's irreversible at this point. And so Armageddon is upon us. Crowley realizes it because he feels a shift in the air immediately when it happens. He's like, well, it was fun while it lasted. I guess it's time for the war to start. And that's... The pretty first much, episode. Pretty much it, yeah. So a bit of a cliffhanger. Well, setting up. Yeah. For what's it was a good setup. It was a good setup. It was a, as first episodes go, it was very good. Yeah, a lot of, I mean, they covered millennia. Yeah, they did, <laughs> so, literally. Yeah. They covered a lot of ground, but did a good job of setting it up and, and did a good job of entertaining while they did it. Indeed. I got a burning question about this show. Okay, I'd love to hear it. Are there any good guys? Obviously, this show, the main character, an angel and a demon, main characters. But are there any good guys in this show? I mean, look at what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I talk about them not being able to go into their nature when they're raising, helping to raise Warlock. Yeah. But clearly, at least Aziraphale goes somewhat against his angelic nature. And he True. is doing something self-serving. Well, and he's lying to his superiors. Yes. Mike. Like, so and it has been lying for a long time yeah. if they think that he doesn't know Crowley at all. I think it's a great question and there's always a lot of gray, you know, because like, the show is set up to be good versus evil, black versus white. And the nuance of maybe there's some good in the bad guys, maybe there's some bad in the good guys is what makes it interesting because if it was really just black and white cut and dry, it wouldn't make it interesting. But to answer your question, I don't think so. I think there's people who are on a side that could be called good and a side that could be called bad, but I don't know that any of them really embody good or bad, you know, especially good. There are plenty of people that embody bad. We see them often, but I don't know that anybody embodies a whole good, especially, you know, like even seeing the the angels who respond, who Aziraphale reports to, they're like, you're doing a great job, but I mean, war's coming. And that's okay, because we're going to have the war, and the war is needed, and we're going to win. Like, is that a good thing? I mean, is that really a good thing, that, that we're going to have this big war that just destroys everything? I don't know. I don't know. Well, yeah. My my thought is I always, or I say I always, I go to, uh, oh, they're all evil. <laughs> they're all evil. <laughs> that, that sounds like, that, that's just, I, I see, I tend to see things a lot more black and white. And, but I understand the shades of gray. Yeah. And I understand that this is entertainment. Yeah. And it's a highly entertaining show. Yeah. And I think regardless, I think, I think the show, what's interesting about the show is I think it works regardless of the answer to that question. Yeah. I think you need to have nuanced characters though for it mm-hmm. to be interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and they are so nuanced. And I think that's why it works. I mean, you could still have, you know, you could say here's this clear cut, you know, the clear cut good guys and the clear cut bad guys. I don't know that the show would be as good. Yeah, because Crowley and Aziraphale, if they were both clearly bad and clearly good, they wouldn't interact with each other at all. And their, like we said before, their relationship was what really kind of drives the show. And if they were solidly set in their ways, it wouldn't work at all. Exactly. So to that point, though, because clearly uh, Crowley is one of the fallen. Yeah. Um, He is a demon. Yes. Um, 
Aziraphale is, is an angel. And, you know, he's not some schlub. I mean, he was tasked with protecting the garden. He's been tasked with various sundry things on the earth throughout the millennia. Um, but has he been corrupted? Or maybe is he being slowly corrupted by Crowley, by his relationship to Crowley? Yeah, it's possible. I mean, because he's clearly, to a degree, acting against his nature, which we said earlier you can't do, but clearly you can, mm-hmm. uh, up to a point anyway. And so it, what happened? I mean, he was clearly uncorrupted because he never fell. He's still an angel. Sure. The Almighty still recognizes him as such. So what's happening here? I mean, is he... Is is he succumbing to some outside influence, uh, e.g. Crowley? I don't know, honestly, because even from the very beginning when they're in the garden, they have that discussion like, wouldn't it be funny if I did the right thing and you did the wrong thing? Like, it's how, how do they know they still have the ability, being an angel and a demon, to make their own decisions? And maybe within that, we get a little bit of their character being revealed like Aziraphale, Maybe he was always this way, and Crowley gives him the ability or gives him the opportunity to embrace that other side of his uh, personality like, or to make decisions on his own. And if he's able to make decisions on his own, it's not always going to follow exactly the way that you would think an angel would because he's an individual and he's a person and he can make his own decisions. So, But I do think Crowley is definitely an influence on him and gives him license to maybe do some things that otherwise he wouldn't. But if it wasn't within his nature, I don't think he would do them, like from the beginning. Sure. But I could be wrong. Or maybe I'm just hey, thinking. Hey, we could, we could all be wrong. I mean, it could be the influence of the flesh on him because he's been living as a person. Sure. In I a, mean, in a body... For so long, like he was, he's very actively among the people. He's not as an angel separating himself. I mean, eating sushi, good for him because sushi is delicious. Like he's very clearly a man of the world, and yes, drinking all this fancy wine that he saved, Chateau Neuf de Pap. Yeah, that's good stuff. And do you think? Um, do you think Crowley's maybe? I keep, I know, I keep harping on him, but you know, I'm gonna go after the guy. <laughs> Do you think he's playing a long game here? I mean, obviously they're both playing a long game to some degree. They're playing a con. Maybe sure. they're, at this point it's a short con because they've got to wrap it up fast. But mm-hmm. is Crowley playing at playing at something else, or or was with, he with, just playing with Warlock or in general? With no, with Aziraphale. Okay. Is he playing him, or maybe has he just been trying to have sway over him all this time? in case something happened and he just wanted to have him in his back pocket to know he could rely on him. Hmm? That's a good question. And I hadn't thought about that. I don't know. It seems like Crowley is more just, he's kind of a con man all the time. Like he, he let, he let hell know he started the Spanish inquisition and things like that. He's like, I figured they would check up on me. I didn't, everybody lies on their resume and on their progress reports. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know why it's kind of their fault. They're the ones really to blame for thinking that I've done all this stuff. If they'd have checked, it would have, it would have been made clear real fast and none of that was true. So I don't think he has any, any real designs for Crowley other than it's just kind of fun. Kind of fun to have someone 
who's of a celestial body as well that's been around and seen everything that he's seen and been there from the beginning it's kind of fun just to have a relationship with him and i don't know that he wants to maybe he really does see him as his friend yeah in in his own way yeah in his own weird warped way he's i mean because to him it's truly a friendship they've interacted a bunch over the years so like they're, they're friends in the way that demons and angels can be friends Insofar as that's possible yeah. in this fictional world. Yes. What about nature versus nurture? I've, we've talked about nature multiple times mm -hmm. this episode, and everyone's probably here sick of me saying that word. Yeah. But what about it? What about nature versus nurture? Because we have the whole setup where the two of them are supposed to have sway over Warlock and helping to raise him. Right. Clearly, both sides think that nurture does play a role here well heaven doesn't because even remember when Gab oh that's right heaven doesn't gabriel's yeah. like no uh, it's it's really cool what you're doing we applaud it but it's gonna fail that's true well the both sides being aziraphale representing the one side sure he thinks that he can have an influence all of the other side thinks the influence is important aziraphale yeah you're you're correct on that um i was wrong it's okay but that still it's playing it's playing a role here and what kind of, I mean, this is a, this is a tough question. Is it important? Is nurture, is, is it, you know, that's one of the great philosophical questions. Is it important? I think it has to be to some degree. I mean, you can't, I, I do, we've said it before, nature, your own nature is probably difficult to get away from, but I have five kids, right? And I, I treat them all the same and I parent them all the same and I nurture them all the same and they're very different individuals. So I think nurture has a role in their life and my job as a father, otherwise, what am I here for? Like, what, what am I gonna do? Why am I even parenting my children? But I think nature plays a key role as well. So I think it's a mix. You've gotta have good nature, good nature, good nurture, like not good, like nature and nurture play equal parts in what happens, especially with Warlock and Adam Young. Like those two things are going to play huge factors in who he turns out to be. And I think they play huge factors in who everybody turns out to be. And some people have to work really hard to overcome their nature and other people have to work really hard to overcome what they were nurtured with. Like it's, it's a real thing in, I don't claim to understand it. I just know that I've seen it. And I think that it does exist and like it's, they're equal. Maybe not equal, but they're both present. Gotcha. What do you think? I think you're right. I mean, I, I think they both play a part. Um, I think to some degree, I think that the nurture side properly cultivated um, in a willing individual can overcome a lot of one's nature. And I, it's something, a, a character I want to keep an eye on through this is dog yes the hellhound so you know adam says you know i want to i want a little dog that you can have fun with that's playful that you can mm -hmm. go places with you and so the dog changes into this little scrappy little dog because i'm gonna call him dog and he's gonna be awesome we're gonna do all this stuff and so because the hellhound was enormous and basically its job was to rip people's throats out and help yeah. them take over the world yeah its nature was to be this beast and now You know, on the one hand, I want to say it's nature change, and that's something I want to watch out for. I want to see at the end of this show, this is a discussion I want to come back to at the very mm -hmm. end, and I want every listeners to think about this. Watch this dog and see, did his nature change 
or was it how he was nurtured, taken, nurtured taken care of, yeah. or was it both? Let's look at because I think it, that would be a very interesting thing to see where they go with with dog because clearly they're not just going to have a dog just to have a dog. I mean, the right. dog plays a key role. We're told that right up front. Yeah. So I think it'll be interesting to see. Um, well, it's, it's a because because the dog is more of a clean slate than a person, if you will. Yeah, well, maybe not this one. <laughs> maybe not this one, but you know, in general, generally speaking. But he's supposed to bend to the whims yeah, of his master, master. And right? So we'll be able to kind of get an understanding of yeah. Adam's personality, yes, and a reflection yes. of Adam's personality through the dog. Yes. And I love that they've set this up as a question and like and as and as a main theme, which is more important because it's an interesting question that people ask all the time and people debate and fight over it. And I don't know that anyone has the right answer, but the fact that we have to think about it makes the show more fun to watch. Precisely. Any other questions? That's all I have for that section. How wonderful. Well, let's speculate. And I think in this show we can actually speculate. Oh, wild speculation. Because there's, there's some crazy things that could happen. I mean, Armageddon is upon us. Seven days away, and we've got an angel and a demon going to do everything they can to prevent it. So give me a wild theory. Give me a wild speculation. What do you think? Total nuclear war. <laughs> but see, how does that happen? See, this is, this is what's great about this show. My wild speculation is some sort of cataclysmic, apocalyptic event happens. But how? We're talking about an 11-year-old kid. Yeah. What's this kid going to do? That's true. Like, what kind of sway does that, that's it's like, which is, what kind of a sway does this, was a child have? Which gives it more credence to him being the son of American diplomat. Okay, maybe we have some power then, or he could have access to something. Yeah, what's he going to do? Stumble into a right. room with the launch codes? or right. He could rub elbows you know. with people who are influential. Perhaps. Maybe that's why. I agree with you. I think there's going to be some cataclysmic event. Maybe not in the whole world, but something bad Something gonna bad is going to go wrong. And <laughs> I, I do think that um, we will see a battle between angels and demons, which i Pretty excited to see. I want to see what that would look like. Sure, I'd watch that. Yeah, I'd watch that all day, and especially in this setting because it seems kind of far fetched and kind of crazy. And the demons that we meet, they're very evil, like burning down. As they should be burning down a convent just oh on goodness. a whim, killing one girl because she won't shut up. You know, you're like, okay, yeah. th that makes sense. And then the angels, you know, quoting the sound of music, you're like, I don't know who I want to win. Like, honestly, who yeah, do you want to win? I don't this know fight? who I like less. They do. It's interesting the way the angels are written. They 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 make it just not like them. I know. It's like they're not evil, but they're just kind of jerks. Climb every mountain, <laughs> and every stream. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's funny. This this is one of those kinds of shows that I struggle with, and yeah. and uh, um, we'll get into that later, but. It, it it definitely makes it interesting, I and so I, you know. But from a speculative standpoint, you know, it, I think all hell is going to break loose. Absolutely. In to, to you we're going we're going to see the world find a point on it. We're going to see the world kind of go into chaos, and I think it'll be fun to watch. But I think we're going to have. But I think that I think we're going to have fun along the way. Absolutely. And that's what I think is going to make this show good. Yeah. Is your on this runaway freight train heading toward imminent disaster. Yeah. But you're just having a good time but along the way. But somehow or another, you're managing to have a good time. Yeah. 
That's, and that's good television right there. It is. It's good writing. Yeah. Did we forget anything this week? Any points that you wanted to talk about? No, we circled back around a dog, which I was I really right. wanted to get to. Right. I mean, and this is really an introduction episode. We're meeting all the characters. We met the wrong 11-year-old boy, and then we met <laughs> the right 11-year-old boy. And we're kind of setting the stage of what's coming up. So if we forgot anything, you can hit us up on Twitter and let us know if there was a thing that you wanted us to talk about, and we will uh, hit on it on the next episode. So thanks for joining us. Tune in next time for our continuing coverage of Good Omens. If you're not on our email list, go over to our website, recap.fm, and subscribe to our email. You'll get a lot of fun stuff, uh, new episodes, other shows that we're covering, and just a monthly newsletter with some good things on there. Uh, So recap.fm is the website. Join the mailing list. And also, if you want to tweet at us, you probably need to follow us on Twitter. You can do that. I'm at RealJDLee. I am at Seal Adams. That's S-E-A-L-E-A-D-A-M-S. And you can follow our network Twitter at RecapFM. So we'll see you next time for the next episode of Good Omen.